I ended up buying some pizza from Pizza Luce. I've had 19 pieces. It smells tremendous. It's very must good. cut them really thin to have 19 with still there's plenty to go. left. So there's a bunch left. I asked Rusty if he wanted to bring it down to his fellow staff members. Yes. The newsroom, the people that the are the heart and soul, the backbone of this building. Wow. Really? I thought I could add a that little bit. That explains a lot. That sounds about right. Yeah. And what did Rusty say? Yeah, I'm you, good. I'm good. You do it. That's what he said. Grabbed a slice for himself. He grabbed a slice for himself. You you like to take credit for everything, Chad. So I figured, why not let you take credit? There's never been anything more true said on CPL. I I just said, you take it down there. I appreciate that. Yeah. And and he said, steal your chair, not going to steal your glory. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This will be my glory moment. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. The pizza. Yeah. So he says, no. Pretty good. But then he goes over and he goes, Pretty good. Mm-hmm. So, Rusty, you is it possible you may finish it? No, no, no. Mm-mm. I did notice as I ran down there about 15 minutes ago to the newsroom that, I mean, you started the show talking about how hungry you are, how starving you are. I Famished. I, I barely ate at home. Then I had, you know. Five thousand yeah. dollars salad over here, which yeah. and what do I sounded good? And five minutes later, I was hungry. What do I see in the newsroom? Box of donuts, oh. little cake in there. Those, those came from Jimmy in honor of Vanita's birthday. So now all the pressure's on Dan Cook for Darush's birthday. I don't know if you heard; it's both of their birthdays. So that's how it works around here. Nice. I thought they would offer it to us. Well, it's there. It's yes, interesting, not. isn't it? Interesting on the newsroom. Yeah. Embargo that. Yeah, interesting. That's but then – It's sitting there. Then we – Embargo the pastries. We then provided pizza, mm-hmm. and they'll have that. But I'm, did, at any point, did Rusty or I – mean, we got like nine people in the newsroom today. Nine. It's Laura and me at the moment. Yeah, but Al was in there earlier, well, sure, and so was Susie. So there were four people in there. Did any one of the four – and I and when I walked through the newsroom – I don't know you, Harrigan. You really don't – Socialized. I walked through the news. Hello, all. They may say, hey, just so you know, there's some extra donuts. Yeah, here. some goodies over there. Rusty, did that, pop, that. did that pop up? No, it didn't pop up. No. There's, there's so many lines drawn in the sand around here. I'm getting lost. I don't even know where to go anymore. Sharing is, is not a line that's okay. drawn in any sand. Okay. That's all one right. of those things that you learn as a small child. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know what it does? It ties back to our topic here of schools and uh, discipline. Touche. Mm-hmm. There's a texture. Rusty Ray, underrated. Yeah, underrated and enjoying his own. Wi- I appreciate my wife listening yeah. this afternoon. <laughs> yes, underrated and enjoying his own pizza and saying, screw you to the rest of the newsroom. Yes. Okay, so we talked teachers, students, discipline. We had calls. We didn't get a chance to get to many of your texts. So let's jump in on some of those texts. My wife has been a teacher for over 25 years. Kindergarten, the two biggest changes support for teachers get from parents and the lack of para-assistance for kids who need help. Um, you know, because of Q, we became a part of the para community. And again, I felt like we were incredibly lucky where Q went to school. But I know um, the numbers at Q schools were very good for paras, and it's a rarity. It's among the issues that we have and, you know, the special education funding, which is receiving a greater profile about bleeping time. 
teacher buy-in is because, and again, I value those people who called in. I do think there is a lot of, well, it never was this way when my kids were younger. And I do think there are more kids now who are emboldened to be clowns than they used to be. I don't know by how much, but I feel like there are more. But to act like everybody in the 40s and 50s and 60s who were kids at the time, where they were angelic, they were perfect. They never spoke up. They never caused an issue. Or, by the way, now the kids who were in school in 2023 and all of them are clowns and disrespectful and don't care about discipline. I Listen, Hunter's 27. Mike's 15. I've been around a lot of kids for a long time. The overwhelming number of kids that I see either at school or my kids' friends, they're pretty damn good. That doesn't mean all of them haven't screwed up at times and sometimes egregiously. But we do a lot of broad generalizing about it was all great back then and it's terrible now because there's a lot of kids right now who are pretty bleeping great. And it's it's a little too easy to generalize that they don't care about it. There are some who do. The majority still care. Yeah, I think it's, as you said, it's very easy to generalize and say, well, back in my day, but you know, I coached baseball in high school for almost 20 years. I can probably count on one hand the amount of kids that were really a serious problem. Yeah. And and you dealt with a, dealt yeah. a lot of kids. I mean, you find kids that are, you know, a little annoying or you're just going to push it a little bit. But the ones that are a, a serious, you know, okay, we need to have a serious talk about, you know, whether they need to be kicked off the team or suspended or whatever, it's a very small number. More text coming in. My brother retired early from teaching several years ago because of student attitudes. He called it entitlement. Kids just read more text here at 651-461-9226. Kids just reflect what is going on in society. More violence, less civility, no civics lessons in class that explain how to be a good citizen. So I hear this a lot, too. We didn't have violence in the 60s, like the 60s. Maybe the most tumultuous decade over the last, in just in America alone, right? Um, with civil rights, with unrest towards the war, with assassinations, with a push for equal treatment for women and, and what was going on. So the 60s, we had a lot of that, right? But then when we hear from the same people who say, Oh, man, the kids were just perfect in the 60s. That's right. So we have so many ways now to judge what kids are seeing on their social media platforms regarding excess violence. And I'm not saying that kids are never affected by this. And I'm holding my hand, my phone, and I'm on this thing. Constantly. 
And parents never should be afraid of setting up guidelines and hours for their phone, for their kid's phone, and saying, hey, by the way, this isn't a guarantee. You know, when you, when when we're having these issues at school, this is a parent talking. By the way, your phone is not an automatic. But we've had violence and examples, Dave, of abhorrent behavior forever. So I'm not going to deny, as I said, all the platforms you have to see it. But again, to to blame everything that's going on now, and that's why kids are acting that way, it's some of it. I don't think it's as much as others. And I think people are playing the game and acting like, geez, when I went to school, my kids went to school again, it was perfect. Because guess what? They weren't. Or if they were, great. But... Regarding perfect, they were the rarity, and also I'm getting the the two-parent households. Sure. In a great, great world, you would grow up, and you'd have mom and dad, and you'd have one, two, 17 kids, whatever. doesn't always work out that way. And sometimes when you have mom and dad, and let's say the two kids, mom's a lousy mom, or dad's a lousy, or... The parents are great. They're great. They buy in. And for whatever reason, child number two just isn't that good. Or the parents are awful and the kids are great. It's the nature versus nurture thing, which we can't completely quantify. Yeah. Or, you know, the kid who was a good kid all of a sudden makes a couple friends who make bad decisions. They rub off on the kid. And I think, you know, at a certain age, you know who's going to influence a child more. It's their peers more than their parents. Yes. Absolutely. And that is an area where things are a little bit different. The ways, the, the numerous ways kids can communicate with their peers and maybe stir it up in that way versus, hey, the regular phone at the house. And by the way, if you're acting foolish, boom. Yeah. You don't access yeah, I think, to that phone. And you talk about violence in the 60s versus violence today. I think one of the big differences is, is um, you know, in the 60s, you knew it was going on if you were a kid, if you were a middle school, high schooler. Perhaps you saw it on the news, but you know, that was pretty much it. I, mean, I guess you could watch a movie, but, you know, I do think there is probably something to now it being readily available, whether it's on any TV station, social media. And I, such I'm, such different versions yep, of it too. Absolutely, right? and I've I've come around to the, you know, the video game argument. I don't know how much of an impact it has to be, but when you're a part of the violence, when you're allowed to be a part of it in in playing a game, so, there's there's got to be an impact. And I'm not saying it's on every because, kid, okay. but I'm sure on some kids, it does. But weren't there some kids? And I'm going to get to this walls budget thing. So, but when we were watching in the '60s and '70s. All the cartoons where violence was happening, that could have an effect also. Now, the comeback to that is hold on a second, hold my beer. Look at the graphics, look at the specifics, look at how lifelike it is now compared to others. Um, 
You were still passively watching it, though. As opposed to being a participant. Yes. You know, and the level of that. Yeah. And we also, regarding mental health, we still don't have enough individuals who can reach out to kids when mental health is a part of this mm-hmm. compared to just you're being a jackass. You know. All right, I appreciate a lot of text in this one. Governor Walls' budget and the checks, the size, you want me to talk Schuster here? The size of the budget, I'm just, I looked it up again. The Palenti budget, as he was leaving, compared to the Walls budget now, it's just a little bit bigger. It's just a little bit bigger. I'll tell you about that. And then do you want your, described by Tim Walls, by the way, Walls checks. I don't think any Republicans are calling the Walls checks. I don't think any Jensen voters. So uh, the governor has called them after himself because he likes it. He's proposing them again. Is this what you want? Let's discuss when we come back. Clayton Davis, who's joined us a number of times before, who's outstanding on the Oscars. Mr. Davis is going to join us by 10, 12 minutes. I watched a little bit of it. I kind of like the announcements. You get excited? I was up. I was clicking. I was reading. I saw it. Why do they do it in the morning? They've always done it that way. I know. I, you want it in the evening? You want it, it prime seems time? Like you could make a little prime time, sixty minute, yeah. you know, half hour show out of it. That's a fair point. You could get some viewers. Well, Clayton was a huge part of it on ABC News, yes, big time. So he's going to say, "Hey, I like it in the morning. <laughs> I'm on national TV, and from national TV, he's on this dog and pony show." I'm reading a story, June sixteenth. 2009, okay, this is the 2009 Tim Pawlenty budget, okay? Governor Pawlenty announced Minnesota's largest ever budget cut Tuesday, reducing state aid to local governments, lowering health care, funding, trimming state colleges' budgets, and in general, shrinking the size of the state government. Lawmakers a month ago passed a Pawlenty-signed budget that would have spent almost $36 billion in the next two years. But remember, Republicans rejected a tax increase passed by the DFL. So guess what? It turned out to be $31 billion. $31 billion by Tim Pawlenty for a two-year budget in 2009. I read the Star Tribune today. More than 2.5 million Minnesota households received checks from the state, and some seniors would see lower taxes on their Social Security tax benefits under Tim Walz's $65.2 billion budget plan. That's inflation. <laughs> That's all that is. That's just COVID? Yeah. It's just COVID. Yeah. Uh, 14 years from 31 to $65 billion. Supply chain. It's so <laughs> It's Obama's fault. That's right. It's it's indefensible. It is indefensible. And I like a lot of things about our state. I live here. Uh, I like children. I like education. I like lakes. You know, I like water. 
I like roads. Light rail? I don't like light rail anymore. I told you the idea. It's the tow rope, man. <laughs> it's the tow rope. It's we all brilliant. just get in that tube and we latch on and boom, we're there. And it doesn't cost $2.7 billion. You know what? Bring an umbrella. You know, we'll set up. There'll be chairs. There won't even be a tube. Like, it'll be nice chairs. No way in hell should our budget go from $31 billion to $65 billion in 14 years. Come on. It is ridiculous. You in favor of this? I mean, the question is, what's more true? The budget was too low with Polenti or too high with Walls? I don't know if we can answer that. It's probably a you know little column A, a little column B for sure. But yeah, and Blois adds, by the way, we're seeing tax increases. That's right. Okay. I mean, you do not have to be some raging right wing conservative to say, what the hell? Thirty-one billion. In 2009, last time I checked, that's a pretty good pile. That's a pretty big that's if your bag's 31 bill and you're our state, you're doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. I get it's going to go up. I don't get how it has to more than double in 14 years. And where would it be at if uh, we had Republican governors during that period, not nearly as high, but there are a lot of automatic increases built in here. But this is just some fiscal sanity because this is fiscal insanity. And and there are no signs it's going to slow down. And I got it. I mean, there's a lot there's a lot of good. Which happens. If it's sixty five billion we had, it ought to be good perpetually forever. And, and, and I know there are a lot of other issues we still have. We, we still have so many people living check to check and, and homeless and income disparity and educational issues. You can't just keep increasing at this rate. You just can't do it. And then we also have the checks he wants to send you. So. Wall suggested tax filers who make less than 75000 should receive – no, no, this – where is the direct money again here? But again, it's the, the direct cash coming your way. Is this really how we want to do this, you know? I just don't think this is the way to go. How about – we adjust our taxes. So the idea of another <laughs> set of within this some tax increases, and I get there's plenty of COVID money. There's plenty of federal money in here. But the budget shouldn't be going up at this rate, and we should not be as highly taxed as we are. In my opinion. Now, you're, you're more left to me. What do you think about that? You want the budget to keep going up this way? 
No. No, I do not. No, that's, as you said, to more than double since 20, uh, 2009, that's, it's insane. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. I'll take my walls checked, though. Would you rather have the walls check or would you rather have permanent tax adjustments? Tax adjustments, put it into roads or whatever. That would be my preference. But if they're going to send out the checks, fine. I'll cash it. It's You'll cash them. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen. 33 past two here on CCO. Uh, RefundsPro.com is a way, speaking of COVID, where you may be eligible for money. If you own a small to medium-sized business and you kept employees on payroll through COVID, you may have a significant cash refund waiting for you. The employee retention credit is a tax credit of up to $26,000 per employee. Who do you go with? You go with my friends, the experts at Refunds. That's with an S, RefundsPro.com. They specialize in cutting through red tape of qualifying for government program. And we've all dealt with too much red tape over the years, including with the government. It's uh, cumbersome, to say the least. Why not cut through it? Most of these refunds are over $100,000. Even if your business received PPP funds, you may be eligible. No fees until you receive a refund. So if your business experienced some shutdowns, limited capacity, supply chain challenges, and reduced revenue, you likely qualify. They've already helped so many businesses. How do you get started? It's free, and it's only a five-minute questionnaire. Again, it's RefundsPro.com. Remember, refunds with an S, Pro.com.